Inverse Genius Episode 57, Fortnightly Taking a Powder. In this episode, Don and Chris Bell talk about Doom Patrol only murders in the building and a few other things. And then we have Michael Cooper talking all about Cooking Kool-Aid. Hey, do you know you can go over to podpledge.com and search for Inverse Genius and you'll see our Podpledge page. All that money goes to help support the ongoing podcasting awesome. We truly appreciate it. Thanks. Welcome to another Inverse Genius Fortnightly, the show where we talk about all of our non-game-related stuff, at least our non-tabletop game-related stuff. Today, I, Donald Dennis, am here with... Chris Bell. And uh, we're, we're going to share stuff we're currently excited about, which is quite the list. Mm. Also, if this isn't long, I've got a recording I recorded with somebody at Board Game GeekCon about his favorite collection that he's got going on of stuff that is also not game-related. Let's look back at some stuff that we have previously talked about here on the Fortnightly, because I have watched some stuff that people have mentioned before, and... Uh, and I know that Chris has watched at least one of them, if not more. <laughs> and, and but first, I want to say Doom Patrol. I finally have watched the most recent season of Doom Patrol, uh, which is um, it feels like it's just trying to be weird. And it's not as um, not. I don't like it quite as much as I do the previous season, but I still still like Doom Patrol. Never got to the newest season. I think I stopped with the White Pages. It arc. is still worth it. Um, okay. Yes, the White Page stuff was pretty hilarious there <laughs> there are some moments in the latest season that i recommend i mean it's still good still worth watching but it's not mm-hmm. just is oh that is hilarious it's more like oh my gosh these poor people so does it feel like they're trying really hard to keep the same level of weirdness they had in the first it, season it's not as frantic and i'm getting to where i'm liking some of the characters less which is you know for me is is the big, oh, why do I like the show? Because I like the characters. Gotcha. And as I get to like the characters less, I care less about the show. So, but as it is, still amazing. So check that out. The next thing is Eric talked recently about only murders in the building with Steve Martin and Martin Shore and Selena Gomez. Um, watched it, loved it. Uh, felt like it was sort of designed for my generation, which is why I haven't badgered Chris and said, Chris, you need to go and watch this. Only murders in the building. Right. And, you know, it's probably on my list of things that I'm going to watch, but that is a very surprisingly fast-growing list right now. Right, yeah. By the time he gets to my age, he will have watched it. Uh, And it still won't be relevant. (laughs) Oh. Oh. Actually, it'll be less relevant by then, uh, (laughs) because uh, they certainly talk about some trends of how uh, older people today view younger people and vice versa. And while they will still look askance at each other by the time you're my age, it will be for different reasons entirely. Oh, I'm sure. So not just how they text or don't use phones <laughs> for calling. So anyway, but one thing that we have both watched and I had talked about previously, but you haven't was the Cowboy Bebop show, uh, the live action one. I haven't got to that yet. You haven't got to it yet? No, oh. it's on my list. Never mind. Sorry. Uh, this may or may not be in the show. If it is, it is strictly to shame Chris. Should I, li- should I list you my big list that I got to get through at this point? You know, uh, actually, that is not a horrible idea. What is it that you are interested in let's and see. watching? Yeah. Things I'm supposed to watch at this point. Well, I'm on Hawkeye because that's currently being released. Right. Um, we've got Hitmonkey. 
which is one that you were telling me I should watch, and I feel like you have mixed feelings on it. I mean, I like it. It's not... I mean, it's not a topic on this show for me, but I do like it, and I, I would recommend people who want uber-violent shows with uh, a very strange through line, mm-hmm. Hitmonkey is well <laughs> worth it. We've got, uh, as uh, you just said, uh, the live-action Cowboy Bebop is on my list, mm-hmm. and I had just gotten through something that I've put on your list that I'll talk about later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess the rest of my time is going to gaming with my friends because new stuff just came out. And despite its disappointment, gaming with friends is still fun, even when the game is bad. Right. You know, we haven't had anyone on to talk about New World. That's a dead game. Mm, okay. They've killed it. We'll, we'll skip that then. So um, They shot it in the foot and then took it out back. Well, this is only for stuff we love. This is not for stuff we hate. <laughs> uh, so, uh, would you like to leap in and talk about something that you're super excited about? Or, or do we want to go over more more stuff that we've watched recently just in general um i mean we can talk about more stuff we've watched in general but i haven't actually been watching a lot up until really recently so that's where my list suddenly exploded all right well cool talk about the one thing then that you're super excited about then the show that i was talking about that uh donald has just started Mm -hmm. is the new netflix series arcane based in the uh league of legends uh, I guess lore, which is weird because the game itself doesn't actually promote lore, but it's a really amazing show. I love it. It uh, is a story about two characters, Vi and Powder, in kind of, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to say what it's about without really giving everything away, because it is weird. I've gone into this show knowing how it ends. I started it knowing where it was going to go. Mm. Um, I didn't know how they were going to get there. But I knew enough about the background story and the characters involved that a lot of the times I knew exactly what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Donald, I think, is going into this without that. You've got zero knowledge. Zero, yeah, zero League of Legends knowledge. So that's kind of interesting for me. And I'm excited to see how Donald's experience with that with zero knowledge is. Now, for having watched the show, I will say you need to know nothing going into it. That I am confident of. Um, they did an amazing job of that, of just covering the character stories. Right. And so I will say that having <coughs> done the first third of the series, right, I've done the first three mm-hmm. episodes, that, yes, the we didn't feel like we were missing anything from right. any other. It's just like, oh, I'm sure that these people here who are being jerks in the bar room probably have a little bit of backstory if you know the game, but I don't know and I don't care. Because the peak characters that they are focusing on, I find engaging. Mm-hmm. So let's talk, you know, before we get too much more into the story, let's talk about the rest of the show. And and one of the reasons you recommended it to me was the animation. It is one of the best animations I've ever seen um, from so many different standpoints. One, the environments are mind-blowingly detailed. I don't know why they went that far with it. But it looks amazing. They they are very rich. It does feel like the tools that they are using are sort of facilitating a lot of this. Oh, yeah. That that I don't know if they had to hand draw it all so long ago back in Disney times. It, it But it does remind me sort of of the richness of a Studio a Ghibli movie. Right. From what I one. do know about the background of how they made the show, um, this... It, 
I don't know what program they use, but think kind of Blender 3D animation stuff. They actually went and made 3D renders of all the environments they were going to use and then ran the story through it like on an actual camera track and everything digitally. It wouldn't surprise me, especially since Netflix is playing a lot with gamification of stuff on their uh, on Netflix that there are different games and things set that maybe mm-hmm. they will be reusing some of those set pieces for games or interactive things that they're going to do in the um, on Netflix as a service. I don't know about that specifically because the studio they use to produce this is a studio that actually made the show. Yeah. It's a French company that specifically does animation stuff. They've done animation stuff for Riot Games, the company who made this before, uh, for character releases for the game. Uh, They did a music video. Um, They have done with other companies, but specifically with Riot, they have done stuff for them that's like this already. But Mm. this is a step up from what they've done before. A huge step up. Also, uh, I will say, don't don't let the first three minutes be don't expect that to be the highest quality of anime that they have but it's still very good mm-hmm. right but there's sort of like a little introduction vignette at the beginning that is prom it's the promise of things to come but it is not that promise fulfilled um, but i will say that you certainly see oh there was a style of art that we used to call oh it is the deviant art nose or eyes and and sort of the style in which stuff was drawn I don't know, five, six years ago mm-hmm. um, on that particular platform that it's like, oh, these are not all old school anim- animators. Mm-hmm. You're seeing a lot of new talent uh, influences, even if you're not seeing just the new talent. Oh, yeah. The, this show very much feels like, I mean, these are people who have learned the technology from the new technology. They didn't come old to new. They started on this new technology, right. and this is their skill set, and they are shining it. I mean, it is shining through. Yep. Um, now, it's not to say it wasn't influenced by past, but that's just the way it is. One way I've heard the show described is uh, pause randomly at any po- moment, boom, uh, screenshot background for your computer. I mean, it's just beautiful art. Um, one thing that is kind of weird... I am of the opinion, this is probably Netflix's Netflix's fault, Um, the show is nine episodes long. It is designed to be watched in three sittings. The first three episodes, the second three episodes, and the last three episodes. uh, While there are pauses kind of between the episodes, if you sit down and watch them in that way, you will know what I mean. It is very much designed as a three-episode thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why they did it the way they did it. Well, but I mean, I know that it, it, certainly between the first three episodes and the second three episodes, there's a good cut where you go, ah, obviously this is this is a good stopping place. Mm-hmm. I did feel I don't remember it was between the first and second or the second and third. You're like, this is also a good stopping place. So I'm not sure. If when they, when you get know. to the next three episodes, yes, uh, I'll pay attention to it for you. Oh well, from a stopping point, you will see that was a very minor. That was a commercial break level stopping point compared to what they're about to do. 
And there were several places during it where it felt like this this blackness has lasted a little too long. Did they expect a commercial to go in here? <laughs> so who who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it was great. I also like it. I have not binged it all in the three days that I have been watching it or four days. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot to pay attention to. Don't sit down and expect that you're going to... Uh, you're going to be doing something else that requires your brain while you're watching this. Right. Um, Unlike say hit monkey, which <laughs> literally you can be playing a game and watching hit monkey. I would say for anyone who does know any of the lore or the story still amazing. Um, and they actually do a lot of stuff that kind of, if you have the background knowledge, it's kind of like an Easter egg for you. Like, I know what that means. I know what that background thing is, even if it has no real relevance, which is kind of neat. Um, and I was going to say one other thing, and now my brain has off-tracked it. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, you were going to talk about the music at one point. Oh, the music is amazing. There's kind of one in the first three episodes, but the mm-hmm. next six have a lot of moments that are just really awesome. The sound design as a whole is pretty darn good. And I will say I didn't feel the super compelled by the music in the first three episodes. It was, I mean, it was good. Mm-hmm. I'm not having any complaints about it. But I didn't go, oh, yes, that is amazing. Whereas Chris is promising me that before the end of the series, I will go, yep, these people know their stuff. There's at least four I can think of off the top of my head that are like, that would have made a great music video on its own. That was cool. Yes. Which, based on the studio, that's what they used to do. So they have the talent for that. Huh, cool. Which is probably why they did that. Nice. Well, and I know that uh, doesn't Riot Games do... This is Riot Games, right? Uh, Riot is the one who owns the League IP. Of Le- League of Legends, yeah. But haven't they commissioned just music videos? Like every year they do at um, least one big music video of their stuff? They've commissioned this company specifically actually to do music. Uh, they did the most popular music video that Riot's ever you know, had released uh, for one of their most popular characters that's in this show. Ooh. Um. And entertainingly enough, I won't say who it is because it's a little bit spoilery. Entertainingly enough, though, the character at one point is jamming out to their own music video, which is kind of funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is. Um, I'm trying to find the name of the company, which I'm in exactly the wrong webpage to do. But yeah, I cannot remember. I know it's a French company, but I do not remember the name of it. A French animation studio, Fortiche, F-O-R-T-I-C-H-E. Under the supervision of Riot Games. Yeah. So it sounds like they got a good working relationship. Go and check out their other music videos after you've seen Arcane League of Legends. Oh, you got excited. I remember what I was going to say. <laughs> um, a fair warning. Despite the fact that it is an animation, this is not a show for kids. Oh, yeah. This is a violent show. Now, it's not gratuitous violence, but people die. Uh, and there is blood. So keep that in mind it's yeah <laughs> it's young adults and up at least absolutely i know there's been people that have made that kind of mistake before yeah uh well and certainly we've mentioned it a couple of times before this episode hit monkey not for kids <laughs> a, a friend of mine friend of the show bob wyman's been here before he's like yeah my 10 year old son no he doesn't sound like that i can't do that to him. <laughs> says yes my 10 year old son would like said he wanted to watch uh, Hit Monkey because it's a Marvel property, 
no, it's not that kind of Marvel property. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, the last episode that we just watched had to do with one of those like table saws mm-hmm. and cutting your problems in half. We'll just say that. Yeah. Anyway, so a little more violent than League of Legends. That is, yes, Arcane, certainly. <laughs> what is Arcane League of Legends? What's the what's the setting or this point of the story that that you should let people know about? Uh, I guess we're pulling back to that. <laughs> yes, we'll do that real quick. Um, League. Well, first, a little background. League of Legends is came out as a game, a genre known as a MOBA, which is just this top-down fighting kind of fighting style game. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know MOBAs, I'm sorry for that description. It's the fastest I could come up with. Um, but for some reason, Riot has shoved more lore into this game than some MMOs. And very little of it comes out in the game, except that the characters will have voice lines, either sometimes the first time they see a character that they're related to, or just in general, the first time they die, or the first time they kill someone or something. They'll have a neat little voice line that relates to their background. But Riot has built this huge, huge universe to this game that they've never used, and suddenly they're shoving it in all this stuff. And Mm -hmm. so this is the story of one of the... Char- or two of the characters and one of the cities and kind of the consequence of that. Um, the city is called Piltover? Don't yes, know. the city of Piltover. Um, and this is, I, I can't exactly say how it relates to the lore because it gives away the whole show. Um, but it's the history of this city, basically, and these two characters, Vi and Powder. Um I guess Riot has finally decided to start using all this story they wrote for no reason. Hmm. Well, I mean, you've got it. You might as well use it, right? I mean, there are, it's all on their wiki, and there are thousands of pages of lore, of wars, of history, of this universe, and none of it's in the game. So, well, now how much of that is actual Riot Bible for, for their stuff? Because it sounds like if they're doing that, that really they are going to do an MMO at some point and how much is it contributed by fans based on I think this is what's happening because of what this person said no it's all right every time they release new skins if it's related to the lore you get more info Uh when they release characters uh, and there's like 150 in the game plus 150 plus characters um, they throw lore pages up and like here's the background of this character and how they relate to all the story Uh, they'll do special events which are this is from this part of the history and this is what happened there. And so they just keep adding lore to their game, mostly to sell cosmetic skins. So one of the first folks that you see in the show is this guy with big metal gloves on punching the tar out of people. Yes. Is he a character in the game? Spoilers. All right. So (laughs) he's a character in the game. Uh, So I'm not going to ask any more about that, but I'm beginning to think every name character that we saw who who actually had an influence on the thing has become a character or comes from the characters. Of so the game. interestingly enough, almost there are some characters that are named that are not in, um, and some that they're adding to some of their IP after the show was released. And you said that they're doing new games that are not just uh, league of legends. Yes. They've released three. I want to say new games just recently on the Epic Games Store. One of them's very story-based. One of them's um, basically uh, Angry Birds. 
and I yep. cannot remember what the third one is like. It took me a second to process what you said. There's a, a, a Angry Birds League of Legends crossover thingy. Not crossover, but adaptive. You're using one of the characters to throw bombs at stuff, yeah, on a 2D map. Oh, and I think we saw that character in the shooting gallery. No. It's a character named Ziggs. He's not in there at all. No, no. A stand-up that she was shooting at in the shooting gallery had bombs in its hands. Oh, that might have been Ziggs. Yes, maybe. <laughs> so, don't know. I don't know the game, but it sounds very familiar to me. So, All right, so I'm going to talk about something that I don't remember if we've talked about before, but right now I am super hyped about it. The thing I'm going to talk about is a book series, a game, a television series, and that is The Expanse that both Chris and I are fans of. Yes, I've started with the television series. Donald started with the books, I think. Nope. Yeah. nope. Oh, really? You started with the show I did. first, too. So, and uh, the folks over at Court Killers, uh, which is a podcast uh, with uh, Tom Merritt and Brian Brushwood, who do not know me from anybody, <laughs> that uh, they were talking about how the TV show and the books and stuff, that they, they kind of worked well together, then mm-hmm. uh, that they did a great job of adapting it. And that they liked the way that space travel was done and, you know, a lot of stuff like that. So I yeah. thought I will give it a shot. And I started watching the uh, the TV series and it was pretty amazing. And they said, and you can still read the books and enjoy them. And then you will still enjoy what's coming up on future television episodes as well, because it doesn't suck in the way that, say, maybe like a Harry Potter adaptation might leave you <laughs> wanting going from books to screen and going, this one's better than that, and blah, blah, blah. So not that problem at all. So I was like, I'll do that. And Which course, I think is a problem that's mostly solved by the fact that it's a television series, not a movie. They have the time to put everything <laughs> in there. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, but even Game of Thrones, you, you watch one and, and you do the others, and, and you're like, oh, that's not the same. That is fair. So, But... Anyway, why is this something we're talking about now, you might ask? Because this is not a new series, though I've frequently talked about not new things. Well, the television series is coming to an end with its last series of The Expanse. And the book series are coming to an end as well with the one that was released just this last week. As of the time I'm recording it, so it will be a month or so back now that uh, you get it. And that's Leviathan Falls is the last book, book nine of the novels in the Expanse series does not include the novellas, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a second. Mm-hmm. Now, the book series and the TV show end at two different parts. They two do. different points. Uh, now, I would not I would not be surprised if at some point there wasn't a second Expanse television show uh, because there is a good cutting off point at the end of uh, the book that they're ending at and a time jump sort of in the series. Uh, which happens in the books and you know, it makes a little bit of sense yeah, to, to make that stop. But so what do you think about the expanse series or, or I guess what's the premise of the expanse? I mean, the idea, it follows this one group, this crew of the Rosinante of the Rosinante, which you don't find out till the end of the first season of television show, but still, um, <laughs> and it's kind of how this crew is managed to be at the center of what starts as a conspiracy and turns into a universe changing event. Right. 
Um, and they just keep getting sucked into it over and over and over, no matter how far they run. Right. Now, the setting for this is a, a post-Earth exodus uh, world or um, solar system where we are terraforming Mars, but it's not terraformed yet. There are a bunch of humans living out in the belt, and their physiology is changing enough that they can't come back to Earth without being in a lot of pain because of the gravity. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of political differences. It feels you know, very political, which I think is one of the reasons why it was able to sort of come out in the wake of you know, the Game of Thrones, because, hey, we can have our fantasy and science fiction with politics. It's not all just bothering dragons. Right. And that there is sort of the underclass of the Belters, which represent or pull a lot from you sort of feel the migrant worker lifestyle. Right. I mean, they're the resource gathering workers. Yes. And then there's the, the elite science and military, which is Mars. And then there's the lazy old earthers, which I guess is America (laughs) And, and other, I mean, it's not a unified culture. In fact, the most important person in the series that is from earth is, you know, very much, well, not your traditional person. And then Avasarala, who is obviously doesn't, is an American. So, yeah. you know, it's, there's a lot there. And it's the interaction between these three dynamic factions and mm-hmm. with something, the big thing that happens in this series. You know, you notice we haven't mentioned aliens yet, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the sort of the intervention of what happens when something big occurs in the universe. And one of the things I love best about this is that they are not afraid to sort of shake up the world. The authors, James S.A. Corey, mm-hmm. uh, which are two authors, and I should know their names, and I will probably look it up and tell you at the end of this, but that they're not afraid to change things up. They're like, oh, there's this political structure. Let's mess with it. There's this uh, balance between the three powers. Let's, let's, let's break that somehow. And that is all pretty exciting. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they build a world, and once you finally get it established... They take a sledgehammer right to the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And then they do it again and again. And uh, that's kind of what you're dealing with isn't this, I guess, necessarily standard political struggle. It's how they smashed it up multiple times. And that's the point of view you're getting. And this is all sort of told through the lens of this crew of player characters. So if you play role-playing games, <laughs> they, this is obviously the player character group. Mm-hmm. And I think actually parts of this were based on a role playing game. I feel like that was something I heard before, but I don't remember. From yeah, like some guy's traveler campaign or, or what have yeah. you. Uh, now, so I love the books and I really, really love and like the show also. However, the main character of the show, kind of the perspective sympathetic character, James Holden, is the least charismatic or interesting character almost in the entire show. He is. And I think it's because of what they've put his role as, Mm -hmm. which is kind of the, he's the stability point for these very wildly extreme characters. Right. It's like he was raised in an atmosphere of ultra tolerance and, and getting along because he comes from a family with multiple moms and dads and that he's sort of, the middle ground between everything. Right. So, I mean, he's, his character isn't necessarily bland, but he's designed to be kind of the thing that holds, you know, these characters with ridiculously 
different backgrounds that really should be at each other's throats based on their history. Yep. And and so, I mean, he's not a bad character. He is not the person that you as your friend group would say, you're our leader, but mm-hmm. because he's the one who sort of takes everybody's side when they're right, he kind of gets put to be the leader. He's He has the fewest skeletons in the closet. Yes. Uh, now, looking at the other characters... Uh, you've of course you've got to have one from each so you've got a belter and a martian mm-hmm. and uh, they have their their tensions at times and then you've got amos <laughs> yeah um who has delivered one of the best chilling lines i've ever heard before oh, so many but which the ones you're talking about um when uh he's told to his face one day you and i are gonna get bloody and he goes I'm ready right now. That's right. Let's dance. Yeah. So he's, he's, uh, yeah. So Amos is, I guess, part, I mean, so he's human, completely human, but mm-hmm. mentally he is guard dog. Oh yeah. And he, he has no perspective of his own and he is willing to do whatever it takes to survive and he has no moral compass. So he always adopts somebody else sort of, as his moral compass. And it's interesting to see that particular allegiance change from the first person he's super loyal to, to other people in the crew to, Oh, there's a whole group of people that I'm loyal to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And where does he get his, Oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I don't need to kill everything that's between me and there, but yeah, is he's such an interesting character because it's like, he knows he has no moral compass. Right. He recognizes this is a bad thing. And so he just keeps going and he's like, all right, you know better than I do. So I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to keep doing my thing. And if you've got to put me down because I'm wrong, that's fair. You were probably right. And I was wrong. Right. I mean, it's I'm not going like, to hold this against you, but I'm going to do what I got to do. He just keeps going. And he's like, yeah, if someone has to correct it, do it. Yeah. So he is frightening. Mm hmm. But he is a great character. He's one of my favorite characters in the show. Well, okay, so you've got so many great characters. You've got Avasarala, who is the sort of the political voice of Earth through mm-hmm. a lot of the series. Um, you've got Bobby, who... Okay, so Bobby is a great character in the TV show, and she's a great character in the book. But based on how they described her in the book, you would look at the one in the show and go, I don't see that this is the same character. Just physically... They couldn't upscale her to the size that she's supposed to. Be. Right. There, there's supposed to be a physical change to one of the factions, the Belters, because they've lived so long in microgravity. Mm-hmm. While I think there's one or two times in the show you actually see somebody with that, it's very obvious it took them a lot of effort to get the character to look that way. Right. And they did not want to do that for one of the main characters for the entire series. Okay, well, that is... Um... Uh, Nagata and and yes she is uh, Naomi Nagata and she is great and she's certainly fits the profile of what they would say a belter is thin mm-hmm. or whatever and you're like okay uh, I can deal with that but I'm talking Bobby is the Martian Marine who is supposed to stand head and shoulders and be oh, too I big to fit about into that. armor yeah and, she's supposed to be this, this massive yep. massive character and she is not in the show yeah and but the actress does a great job at yeah. carrying everything through so you just resolve yourself to the reason why she is powerful in the books is largely because of her her force of will and her 
her physical impressiveness. And in this case, she is just really good at her job. And the TV show, you go say, oh, she is just ultra skilled as opposed mm-hmm. to being, I'm going to just take you in my hand and crush you. <laughs> yes. Um, now, despite those changes, I will say book to television series, they do a really good job of telling the same story. Yes. Obviously in the book, there's a little bit extra they throw in there. Mm-hmm. But overall, you still get the same idea from every story they tell. Yes. The world feels super lived in. You mm-hmm. can tell. Actually, when a scene starts up, you've got a great idea of where you are, even if you don't see the characters. Yep. Uh, anything that's Martian has a particular look to it. Anything that is Belter has got this old and grungy and, oh, maybe it's a few generations worn out. And then in the, you know, Earther stuff is a little more luxurious and, uh, and you know, not so. I mean, there's some places where it's not, not the case, but they, they each have their own feel. Now, interestingly, a little background on that. I watched um, one of Adam Savage's oh, yes. uh, YouTube videos where he talked with one of the people that worked for the, the real special effects on set. So the actual like lights practical and effects. practical effects on set. And apparently that was something they tried really hard to do was make it very obvious with subtle cues that you may not even notice, mm-hmm. but like what type of colors are in the character's shoes when they have magnetic shoes on or what their phone's colors light up as and stuff like that, which you don't see it, but your mind still recognizes, oh, it's this faction. Right. And so you, you're always grounded in that way. And apparently they tried really hard to make sure that was always telegraphed. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one of the characters we haven't really talked about, actually we haven't talked about a bunch of the characters, uh, but there's a, uh, uh, on the ship, there's a guy from the Mariner Valley who's in, in Mars and he's the pilot of the ship. Uh, he's another character that doesn't quite fit the profile of the, you know, uh, slightly older, not in prime physical health kind of guy mm-hmm. that you've got. But his character on the show was so great. Unfortunately, he got um, uh, the actor caused trouble on set, and so he's no longer part of the show. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, but his his character was great. He was sort of the um, if. Holden was the heart of the crew. He was the soul of the crew. He was the, <laughs> I'm making dinner for everybody. I'm going to be, you know, the, the kind of casual, kindly voice to people mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, you know, and the tech person is the belter Martian or not the belter who, you know, has lived in outer space all her life and she can, you know, do anything to a machine. Uh, you know, great mix of characters, uh, genders, uh, ethnicities, both earth ethnicities versus you know, out in space. Mm-hmm. So it's just an amazing show. I recommend you check it out. If you don't want to read the book, go read the show. No problem there. If you don't want to, if you want to read the books first and then watch the show, you will get a little bit more out of it. Um, and I'll say that in either one of them, there are going to be some scenes where if you've watched a red one and you see that scene coming up, you're going to be like, Oh no, this is where this is going to happen. Those people. Oh, this looks so nice and, oh, <laughs> yes. uh, and then there will be other moments of glorious, you know, success that you'll be able to enjoy. And I guess we should mention this. It is an Amazon show. You find it on Amazon. It is now free on Amazon Prime. It started elsewhere. It got canceled and Bezos said, yeah, I've got a space program. I like this show. I'm into science fiction. <laughs> yeah. We'll pick this up. I don't know if he actually confirmed that with anyone before he announced that at Comic-Con. 
but <laughs> it was like, yep, it's a dead show. I'm going to pick it back up. And they've done a great job with it. So. Yeah. So you can watch it all there. The new season's coming out soonish. I don't think they've actually announced a date. Uh, nope. News, it, it may be out by the time this comes out. It's coming out. The new season is out in December. Ah. It will be out this very month. Yay. New, good news for me. Which is why I'm talking about it now. <laughs> oh, great. I get to add more to my list more of to shows. List. More to your list. <laughs> that might be bumping up near the top. Not going to lie. All right, so I think this is a good place to wrap this up. Uh, looks like we may have enough time to add in our special guest from Board Game Geek Con at the end of this episode. So keep listening, and uh, but uh, we're going to sign off right now. Once again, I'm Donald. I'm Chris. And you've been listening to the Inverse Genius Fortnightly. Thank you for spending your time with us. And go and have some good geekery stuff, and let us know over on the Facebook group what you're excited about these days. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, Inverse Genius listeners. This is Donald Dennis, and I'm at Board Game Geek Con 2021 here in Dallas, Texas, the scenic downtown Dallas. Go listen to our board game, on board games coverage of this show, and you'll hear all about it. But since this show is about everything but board games, I brought on one of the fabulous folks here who's helping make sure things run smoothly at the show, uh, Michael Cooper, to talk about stuff that is not game-related. Hey, Michael. Hello. Hi, Don. So, Michael, what is it that is not game-related that uh, you are super excited about to share with our listeners? I love Kool-Aid. You love Kool-Aid. So, I, so you've drank the Kool-Aid, or is this not a drinking thing? Uh, that is a misnomer, but yes, I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've drunk the Kool-Aid. All right. Um, so, what is it about Kool-Aid? Is it, do you like just trying out all the different flavors? Or do you like the art on the packages? What do you mean when you say you like Kool-Aid? I just I like the flavors. I, okay. it, it just uh, it it's just a youth if affirming thing for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it just it instantly takes me back to my childhood. So it's like Scott Di- Scott Nicholson loves Disney. Um, yeah. I like uh, Scooby Doo. You're you like Kool-Aid? I like Kool-Aid. Right. I'm a, I'm a bit of a hummingbird. All right. So. Um, <laughs> Besides, uh, you know, so how, do you collect Kool-Aid or do you just watch all the commercials? What? How do you express your geekiness for Kool-Aid? I do collect Kool-Aid. Uh, I started back in the late 80s, actually. Mm. Um, my brother was going to school and he stopped by a location uh, and found a flavor of Kool-Aid that he liked and said, you really need to try this. Uh, it was called uh, it was called Rainbow Punch. Rainbow Punch. Okay, and I seem so, to remember that. So I picked some of that up, and uh, it was going out of uh, it was going out of production. And mm. what we found out is that uh, who is it? General Mills at the time that owned it. Uh, they they would bring in entry uh, They would bring in other flavors, and then they would be there for a couple of the years and mixes and then they would go away so you'd mm-hmm. still have your core flavors your black cherries your lime your lemon lime your lemonades your orange grape cherry strawberry all that but uh they have other uh types of flavors things like your mountain berry punch your pink flamingo uh your uh let's see again your sunshine punch your rainbow punch but those would get um you know, they'd have them around for a couple of years, and then they'd go they'd go out of out of production. So, I keep wanting to say out of print, but they're right, not right. It's the same thing. I mean, yeah, it's effectively the same thing. So the question is, is that means that you've got all these packages of sugar sitting around your house, and so you must be 
infested with ants in a fierce way? No, because what? no, because I only collect the unsugared packets, so the ones that you actually have to add sugar to. Well, that makes that makes a lot of sense, I guess. Uh, so, are any of these flavors palatable without adding sweetener, or do they all require the sweetener to sort of bring out whatever? It depends on your taste. If you wanted to mix it up with sugar, you could, or it could be with just plain with water, you could. Uh, like I said, I'm a hummingbird, so the sweeter the better, and so that's how I like it. So, do you have like a Kool-Aid seller where you go down and you're like? Ah, 1996 was a very good year for blueberry, and then pluck that out and then come and open it? Or do you generally not open your old packages? Uh, generally, I have uh, I have several uh, baseball card boxes Whoa. full of packets. So I, admit I probably have about, I'd say somewhere between five and 600 packets. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, how many flavors do you think you've collected over the years? And do you get du- duplicates? Like, do you get a six-pack just in case one goes bad or what? I do. Uh, if I say that something is going, uh, you know, that, that it's being discontinued, I will probably stock up on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, the first packet that I picked up uh, was Kickin' ki- ki- yeah, Kiwi Lime, which has not yet been reproduced. And mm-hmm. I think I probably bought... Oh, about 100 packets of that. And how many survive? Um, probably about 75 right now. So I know that this is something that everyone listening probably has a question about. How long are Kool-Aid packages good for before the flavor turns or they go bad? Uh, for the most part, they don't go bad as a flavor. Uh, what happens to them is the uh, preservative in it that's supposed to keep them from clumping can go bad, and it's actually worse in some of the older flavors mm-hmm. b- before they change what type of uh, what type of uh, uh, de- I want to say desiccant right that they put right, in. Right. Um, so, hmm. so the next question is: How many packets of Kool Aid do you have that have flavors or colorings that are now illegal for food companies to use? That would be absolutely zero. Oh, uh, there was one back in the nineteen seventies. Uh, it was uh, it was it included cyclamates, and it actually uh, the packet itself actually That's like had defreezer or something defrosting. What is cyclamates? Uh, it was it was a it was a sugar substitute. Ah. They soon found out that it was cancer causing, ah. and so uh, the packet itself had uh, actually had Bugs Bunny on the front instead of the Kool Aid Man. Oh well, th- there you go. Yeah, I mean. Uh, Okay, well, I thought that some of the reds or something had been, don't use those, but maybe they were only used in shelf-stable foods instead of in stuff you pour into other things. May have been. I haven't I haven't done that much research into it. All right, so what is, your, well, that's all right. This is not that kind of show. You are welcome at any time to say, I don't know that. Nobody cares. Uh, so the next question I've got is, what is your favorite way to prepare Kool-Aid and to get the best flavor out of it? Uh, get the best flavor out of it. Uh, usually take the, pa- take the packet, dump it into the bottom of a two-quart pitcher. Mm. Go ahead and put the sugar on top of it. Uh, these days, I don't use pure sugar. I use uh, I actually use Splenda or you know, whatever, aspartame mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever the uh, Your sweetener equivalent choice, is, yeah. sweetener choice is on top of it. And then I will put about, uh, about a quart of water in it and then go ahead and use the uh, – use a – Use a whisk mm-hmm. to go ahead and get it all mixed up, and then go in. Once I get it mixed real well, go ahead and top it up with with uh, the rest of the water. 
right. and just do it that so, way so that if it's an older packet. Do you use less water to get more flavor or do you think they all, they balance it pretty well? Uh, I usually put about, you know, if it's, if it's a two quart, I'll probably go about 75% of the way, depending, depending on what it is. All right. So the age old question though is, is Kool-Aid Man the pitcher or the Kool-Aid? Kool-Aid Man is the pitcher. Is the pitcher okay. is the pitcher? Uh, there have been speculation. There has been speculation that the Kool Aid inside is his blood. Oh, I no. <laughs> okay, so the video that we watched the other day before we set all this up is that. Do you know if that's a real legit video or is that a fan thing? Do you have any idea? I have no, no idea. idea. All right, well that may get cut. But okay, so anything we don't know about Kool Aid? Have they changed the mascots? You mentioned they had Bugs Bunny on the thing. Was there ever a different mascot besides Kool-Aid Man, or how much has he changed? I don't know how much it's changed. Uh, through the, uh, like I said, the Kool-Aid, he started out just as a smiling pitcher right. on the cover of the, on the cover of the packet. I remember that. Yes. Yeah. And then gradually, I guess uh, he grew arms and legs and became a sentient being. Like happens, you know. Yeah. Any anything artificial eventually, yeah, does that. Okay. Well, excellent. Is there, is there anything else you have to say? Yeah, that you may have been missing some uh, missing some of the older flavors. What we found out, yes. What we found out was that uh, that that rainbow punch that I was dis- that I was talking about. Uh, I had three packets of it left, and I was saving it for my niece and nephew when they got old enough to to enjoy it, which happened a couple of years ago. So now, I- did you let them have it, or do you sell them for five hundred bucks a pouch? No, I actually let, I actually <laughs> I actually let them have it. Uh, we you know we went ahead and did it the old school way. We did it with pure sugar mm-hmm. and put it and loaded it up. And tried it and found out that the combination uh, flavor was actually uh, was actually cherry and lemonade. Right. So, so, how often do they take old flavors and just rename them, or just combine them with other flavors that you know? Uh, it's, it's, it seems like every five or six years they'll come they'll come out with uh, a a flavor that they've discontinued b- before. Uh, the last uh, the thing that they've been doing lately is reissuing older flavors. Mm. Uh, they just reissued uh, Charcoalberry Finn and Purple Saurus Rex. Oh, uh, I remember that yeah. one. Now, Purple Saurus Rex is actually just grape and lemonade. <laughs> and found out that Rockadile Red is actually grape and strawberry together. Hmm. Uh, Sunshine Punch, if anybody remembers that, was lemonade and orange. That's one of the best, I think. Yeah. 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 So, what's your favorite flavors? I guess that's got to be asked before you sign off. Uh, my favorite flavor right now, believe it or not, is Charcoalberry Finn. I did not get to try it the first time around. Hmm. Okay. So, oh, I, how, how do you store it? You say you've got a bunch of them in in your boxes, in your yep. shoe boxes, or your baseball card boxes. Yes. Do you have some that hang on the wall, framed, or are they all uh, are like on little stands on your shelves, or are they pretty much all hidden away like comic books? For they're all hidden away. Uh, I. I keep them in my closet, uh, except for the uh, rarely rare packets, which is I have exactly one packet of Rainbow Punch left, and I keep it in a fireproof safe. So don't go rifling through his bedroom looking for the Rainbow Punch, because it's in a safe. You can't have it. Right. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Let everybody know where you can be found on the Internet, should you care to be found on the Internet. Well, I can be found on the Twitters at T-H-E-T-H-O-S-W. 
And you can find me. On, say, that, say that out loud. Uh, it's, uh, uh, t, uh, you can find me on Twitter as T-H-E-T-H-O-S-W, the T-H-O-S-W. Okay. Uh, you can also find me on BGG, Board Game Geek, as T-H-O-S-W. And that's it. That's as social as I am. All right. Well, thank you very much, Michael. We appreciate you coming on to talk Kool-Aid because nothing is cooler than Kool-Aid. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Don. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.